Father, we just come to you, Lord. Just thanking you first for your faithfulness. Many were the plans of the enemy to destroy us. But your hand was over our lives and you brought us through it all. Thank you, thank you, Father. Even this Wednesday, as we are here once again in your house, we pray, Lord, you will continue to speak to us, continue to teach us. Because as our eternal Father, you care for us more than even we care for ourselves. You desire we finish this race as overcome us more than we ourselves do. So, Father, teach us. Continue to teach us. As Sammy prayed, give us hearing ears, the living hearts, but above all, Lord, the will to obey. Because it is the doers of the word who are declared righteous, not just the hearers. Help us to do what you say. Speak, Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We'll continue, continue the series which we are looking at. But today, this evening, we shall turn first to Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now if we go up higher and verse uh, 13 if I'm right. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Okay. We've been looking, remember towards the end of the series, we've been looking at sin and evil. The difference between the two. The devil is called the evil one and God's word actually promises the evil day will come or the evil days actually will keep on coming. When the evil day comes, he says, you may be able to withstand. The question, first question, when the day of evil comes, will I be able to withstand? Stand. Okay. We've been looking at this topic, remember, for quite a few weeks. Why does God permit evil? Now, a day will come when evil will cease, but why does God permit evil? Why does the devil bring on evil? One of the reasons the devil brings evil is because that's his nature. He comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. To see that good may stop. But God, on the other hand, permits evil so that good may result. In verse 11 of this portion, it warns us about the wiles of the devil. 
be careful god says be careful about the wiles of the devil is very deceitful deception is his major weapon while god on the other hand in verse 13 says we should be able to withstand not only we should be be able to withstand in the evil day we should be able to stand against the evil too and having done all there is also action that is required from us withstanding evil is one thing that's only one part having done all that's what we've been learning in the previous previous weeks withstanding evil overcoming evil how do you overcome evil by doing good having done all what all good that is necessary to overcome evil and at the end of it we should be still be able to stand so having done all so god is not talking about a passive inaction before evil a passive inaction against evil okay i will see no evil do no evil hear no evil what is that passive it's passive it's not active it is not active everything in god's kingdom is active like buddhism will talk about passive okay it's passive buddhism is passive don't do evil to anybody else see no evil no the seven jewels of buddhism the three jewels of jainism these are all passive but god's kingdom is not passive it is active god says if anybody slaps you on one cheek show the ah that's not passive buddhism will teach you if somebody beats you just walk away don't do anything god says that just passive it doesn't change the other person he will think he was right and you were wrong but god says on the other hand if you turn the other cheek he will be convicted god says if somebody takes your coat give me a shirt too buddhism or the other religions which are passive will say if somebody takes your coat let him go with your coat but christianity is not a passive religion christianity is a living faith in a living god it is active so it says we have to act it is not passive that's what paul meant by saying i have fought the good fight i have fought the good fight the fight against evil was good it's a good fight wherever he went you will see evil always reared its head and he had two choices like all of us either he could quit he could quit and saying this is too much for me to handle i will quit and go to a passive life of resistance to evil i will not do any evil okay that is the life of lot i will just be passive or he could overcome evil with good you can also try to overcome evil with evil so what the world does or you can overcome evil with good but only when it is fought god's way it is called a good fight what does he says i have fought a good fight you will also see when you study apostle paul's life which is the only life which is given in detail in the bible after that of jesus that the more evil that was done to him the more good he did so book of acts is interesting you can read the book of acts from different perspectives okay 28 chapters we meet apostle paul in chapter 9 that's where he has the encounter with jesus christ 10 11 12 you know deals with peter 
In 13, the church in Antioch is told by the Holy Spirit to separate Barnabas and Paul for God's service. From 13 to 28, all the way. It's about Paul. In 15, we know there is a split between Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas goes his way and after that the Bible is absolutely silent about Barnabas. Okay? And it is all about Paul. So from chapter 13 all the way to chapter 28, we have the acts of the Holy Spirit primarily through Apostle Paul. So we have an interesting study over there. We are not looking at the study in detail, but little, just briefly to to buttress this point, how you overcome evil with good. At every town he went, alone or with, usually with somebody else, Silas or Titus or Timothy or somebody, he faced evil. But he chose to overcome evil with good. Now, what we are getting into is that you cannot choose your own good. It won't overcome evil. You have to choose God's good to overcome evil. We all have our concept about good, what is good and what is bad. But no, we have to choose. He did not react in every town. The evil that was done to him was almost similar. But the good, his reaction was not the same. His reaction was different as I believe the spirit was leading him. Like I said, when evil happens, most people give up. They get depressed, they get discouraged. Or they respond with evil. Evil can rise within homes, outside homes, especially in the last days. It can rise from every quarter. Why? Because scripture warns us in the last days the love of many will grow cold. Which will lead, scripture says, to betrayal. Second thing scripture warns us through Paul, to his letter to Timothy, if I'm right, that evil men and seducers will wax stronger and stronger. So we are promised in the last days evil will increase. It will keep on increasing. So the question is never about evil. The question for believers is what will be your response to evil? Lord, will evil come? He says it will come. It is promised. Jesus said in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. That evil I have overcome. So the question is what will we do when it comes and keeps on coming? Are we prepared to withstand? Are we prepared to do all and still be found standing? Or just quit and fade away and what I call be a spiritual vegetable? You know, you have in ICU's people, the the doctor will declare he's alive but not alive. It's just a vegetable. Functions are like on the machine. There are so many Christians like that. They function like a machine. They come to church on a Sunday. They sit there and they go. That's it. They've decided I can't handle this anymore. Okay. And God says it doesn't work. That's why scripture says in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12. It says the kingdom of God advances with what? From the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. It suffers violence. The minute the kingdom of heaven is preached, evil arises. It suffers violence. But what's the response of those who suffer violence? The violent take it by force. The violent takes it by force. It suffers violence, but you have to be spiritually violent to take lay claim to the kingdom of God. That's why scripture says, stand, withstand, do, stand. Okay. So the question is, how do we stand? How do we stand? 
it's interesting in Ephesians 6, when it talks about standing, the first thing mentioned, stand therefore, having girded your waist with what? Truth. What is the first thing mentioned? Truth. First thing mentioned is truth. Okay. Remember, when truth is fallen in the street, it's Hindi, you read, it's very Sachai bazaar mein girgai. Sachai bazaar mein girgai. Okay, when truth is fallen in the street, everything else stops. Everything else has stopped. So the first thing scripture talks about is truth. It's just if you want to stand, the first thing you need is absolutely tightened by truth. What does it mean? We know familiar portions, John 17, 17, God says, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. What does it mean? We need to be girded with the word of God. Absolutely girded by the word of God. That's the reason we gather here. We gather here so that we are girded more and more and more with the word of God. Second thing we know is from Romans 10, 17 is faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Girded by truth. The question is, when evil comes, our first response, do we have truth? When evil comes, do we have truth? Are we girded in truth? Do we respond when evil comes according to the word of God? Respond. That's where the power lies. According to the word of God. If you read from verse 14 onwards to 18, it is interesting. Stand therefore girded your faith, uh, your ways with truth. What is truth? The word of God. Next is breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness comes because of the word of God. The next is show your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What is that? The word of God. Next one, above all taking the shield of faith. Faith comes from the word of God. And after that, take the helmet of salvation. Where does that come from? The word of God. And the sword of the spirit? The word of God. And finally, when it comes to 18, supplication in the spirit. And Jesus said very clearly, when the spirit comes, he will never speak about himself. He will only speak about Jesus, who is the word of God. Do we understand? Our entire armory and weapons, our armor and weapon is connected with the word of God. Our entire response is determined how we hold and handle the word of God. That's why God says, sanctify them by your truth and your word is the truth. So either we can believe our feelings or we can put our trust in our very rational understanding. We can believe in culture, contemporary culture around us or just the word of God. Just the word of God. When Paul went, Apostle Paul went and evil rose, you will see his response was always scriptural. In Acts chapter 13, verses 50 to 51, now the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and chief men of the city raised a persecution against Paul. Meaning women can create a lot of trouble. It's not the men, the devout women. Prominent and devout women and the chief men of the city raised a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. Expelled them from their region. They said, get out. And they got them out of the Look at their response. What is your response? Their response. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. They were done evil against. What is their response? Matthew chapter 10. 
verses 14 and 15. Whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Each of our situations, that's why we have to hear from the Spirit and the Spirit will lead to the Word and tell us exactly what to do. Then the power of God is released against evil. What is he told? Shake off the dust from your feet and go. Now they are in this place, they have been expelled, what do they do? They shake off the dust from their feet and they move to the next place. Are they overcoming evil with good? Yes. What is good? Good is what God says is my word. If God says, shake off the dust from your feet, that's what you do. And no saying, I still bless you, brethren, I miss you, please, I hope I can come back. No, that's your good. That's not God's good. God says, if at that point of time, God says, just shake off the dust and walk away. He says, I will handle it. God's response. When you overcome evil with God's good, God's response, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Can you believe that? They have been kicked out of this place and they shook the dust off their feet. Immediately when they responded to the evil that is done according to what the Spirit is telling them through the word, they were filled with If you are kicked out of some place, do you, are you filled with joy? And with the Holy Spirit. Do you realize? God backs up his word always. God always backs up his word. In Acts chapter 14, in Iconium. Now, a violent attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jew, Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them. Everywhere they are facing evil. What are they doing? They are only preaching the gospel. Okay, But the gospel is not palatable for religious people. Because it demands surrender, it demands change. And they, with their rulers, to abuse and stone them. Evil has risen against them in the next place. They became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, the sisters of like uh, the cities of Lyconia and to the surrounding region. Now, did they shake off their this? No, what did they do? They ran. What did they do? They ran. Why? Because God told them to run. When God tells you to run, run. He will give you speed, like Elijah. He will give you nice speed to run, strength to are they overcoming evil with good? What is good? Running is good. Why? God said run. It is good. So our problem doesn't lie with evil. Our problem lies with our response to evil. Response to evil. Look at Matthew 10 and verse 23. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. What did he say? When they persecute you in this city, flee to the next one. Who said it? He said it. When you obey him, it is why? Because he chooses what is good, not you and me. And you will see when they flee to the next city, that is where they meet the man who was born lame and they heal him. And then immediately in the next city, they have incredible ministry. Why? Because they chose to obey God and overcame evil with good. Like I said, our problem doesn't lie so much with evil, but with our response to evil. Jesus promised in Matthew chapter 10, verses 22 to 24. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For surely I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. He says, don't be surprised and upset when 
evil happens simply because you have the tag Christian to your name. Christian to your name. Nothing. That's it. And he says both Jews and Gentiles. You will face it from Christians and non-Christians. So how do we respond? It's a question. In Jeremiah 1 and verse 12, NIV will say, you have seen correctly for I'm watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Okay, what does God watch? God always watches over his word. He watches over his word to fulfill it. That is what it means to be girded by the truth and the spirit of God brings his word to our remembrance. What to choose at that particular moment. Read Romans 8 verses 35 to 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, is tribulation evil? Yes. Distress evil? Yes. Persecution evil? Yes. Famine evil. Nakedness is evil. Peril is evil. Sword is evil. He says, as it is said, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves he says, nothing can, evil cannot separate you from the love of God found in Christ Jesus. It cannot separate you. But read carefully verse 37. He says, in all this evil that is directed against you and happening in your life, I have already declared you something. What is that? You are more than conquerors through him. You can defeat evil. You can overcome evil. I have declared it. You can. That is why Ephesians 2, 6 says, remember, first we have been made to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now we take a very romantic concept and lie in our couch and think, I am seated in Christ. Practically, how does it happen? Practically, how does it happen? No, we, we romanticize everything after listening to all these movie songs. Oh, Jesus is carrying me in his bosom. You are 60 years old. Jesus is carrying you. His arms will be tired. Come on. Why do you want to be carried at 40 and 50 and 30 and all? You need to learn to walk, right? What does this mean? You are seated in Christ Jesus. The victory, scripture is very clear over the evil one. And evil comes only through Jesus. And Jesus had made it very clear how it happens in John chapter 15 and verse 7. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, abide in you, you will ask what you desire. At the, in the context of today's teaching, at the hour of your trial, at the hour of testing, when evil arises you, you will ask, Lord, show me what should I do. I want to overcome this evil. What is your good that will overcome this evil? And it shall be done for you. But how is the process? If you, if his words abide in us. If his words abide in us. That's our major area. Our major area is that we are weak in the word. We are not strong in the word. We are very weak in the word. Unless we are strong in the word, the process is to strengthening not us, the word in us. And in John 15 and verse 10, he says the next thing. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my life. He says, you have to abide in my word. You have to abide in my love. Two things. How do you abide in his love? By keeping his commandments. Abide. In the context of what we are learning, what does it mean? 
if you're abiding in my words are abiding in you and you're consistently trying to obey my commandments you're abiding in my love then when situations arise you will learn how to respond only in faith and it will show it will show what does the word say what is the spirit showing this is a story i read this morning about a young boy his uh, parents used to teach him to memorize scripture and he memorized scripture and he grew up he had fallen away from the faith and he was extremely depressed and discouraged and then he finally became suicidal and he was getting ready to kill himself he tied the noose around his neck he was about to kill himself when he thought he would pray a short prayer <laughs> and when he prayed uh words came to his mind cursed is he that hangs on a tree and he took the noose off went back to god and is active in the kingdom today can it work of course it works the day of evil had come upon him he was about to kill himself and go somewhere else away from the eternal presence of god when the holy spirit intervenes and brings a word into his memory correct to the point how do you overcome this evil the evil one is after you like was after judas he wants you to take your own life and what is god he brings the word convicts him and he backs off and he is restored that's what god is talking about every situation the problem is we too often we have through our walk like abraham the father of believers have made our responses to the day of evil in sight and not by faith in sight and not by faith when famine which is evil in nature evil in nature what is abraham's immediate response not just go to egypt but also get his wife to lie that you are my sister the day of evil has come into his life he has come to canaan by faith evil rises up against him famine is looking everything looks bleak and immediately instead of responding in faith he responds by unbelief insight but god intervenes because this man has believed god intervenes second timothy chapter 2:13 says 2:13 says if we are faithless he still remains he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself we believed him in one right most of us have been brought out by our unbelief by his faithfulness even when we are unfaithful we were not destroyed like abraham was not restored in the world in egypt why because he is still faithful he still remembers the day we have put our trust in him the day abraham had left the earth of the chaldeans and haran and entered into the promised land he had counted him that day and he is still working in the lives of those who are unfaithful because he is still he is still faithful it is god who has rescued us but if you look at it carefully he is not just operating on the unbelief in spite of the unbelief of abraham because he is faithful he is also responding to something else in genesis 12 and verse 17 scripture says the lord plagued pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of sarah abraham's wife does not say because of abraham because of sarah abraham's wife what does it mean this is my take on this there is a rider here for me god is responding more to sarah's obedience than abraham's fear 
Remember first Peter chapter 3 verses 5 to 6. For in this manner in former times the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord Sarah. If anybody asks you who you are, say you are my sister. What did she say? Yes Lord. Whose daughters you are if you do good and not afraid with any terror. You don't be afraid. You do good. When do you do good? When you obey your husband, even when your husband is wrong, because God said, submit your husband in all things as unto the Lord. So what is good? Good is what God says. So when she submitted over here, even though he's wrong, God's hand goes right into the Pharaoh's palace and intervenes on Sarah's behavior. Why? Because she is right while he's wrong. It takes incredible faith. That's why Sarah is the only one mentioned over there. He says, in this manner, the former holy woman trusted in God also adorned themselves, meaning made themselves beautiful. Remember, if it was outward beauty, remember scripture records, Sarah was beautiful, Rebecca was beautiful, Rachel was beautiful, they were all beautiful. But in the New Testament, only Sarah is mentioned. Nobody else is mentioned. Only Sarah is mentioned. The others are not mentioned. God looks at what is beautiful from a different perspective altogether. It's not from the way we look at it. Remember the text Pastor Vijay preached on Sunday? From Hebrews 3. This Sunday. 3, 12 to 13. Beware brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. A couple of things are mentioned over here. What is the evil in our heart? It's unbelief. Unbelief is the evil in our heart. What does it do if we keep on listening to the voice of unbelief in our heart? It takes us further and further and further away from the living God. How do we get deceived by sin? By unbelief. By unbelief. We don't don't really believe what God says. God says the wages of sin is death. Then why do people still sin? Because they don't believe. God says every sin will be judged. We don't believe. We don't believe. God says if you don't repent, this is what your fate will be. We don't believe. We don't believe. That's what God says. The evil within us is not so much the action. The evil within us is the unbelief. That God doesn't mean what he says. God says, I mean every word that I say. Every word that I say, I mean. Every word I say, he means. Like, First Corinthians, not there. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse uh, 16, if I'm right. 316. 13, 14, 15. Yeah. Do you not know you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? Do you not know? Everybody loves this. Hallelujah, Lord. You would live in me and I am your temple. But now read the next verse. 16. Yeah. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will. Do you believe? Do you believe? That's what I asked in those meetings. Do you really believe? That like the temple, you have three parts, your body, your soul, your spirit. Do you believe? That if you defile your body, he will destroy your body. 
If you defile your soul, he will destroy your soul. If you defile your spirit, he will destroy your spirit. Because he said it. He said it. Now, we look at it and say, oh no, God doesn't mean. Really? This is the evil heart of unbelief. That is where when we come to this, we look at it and say, Lord, you mean it and I believe it. And I'm going to repent and I'm going to turn back. I am turning back. Why? Because I don't want my body to be destroyed before my time. Before my time. I don't want my body to be destroyed. I don't want my mind to be messed up. I look at people. I go everywhere. I look at people. You just can't talk to them anymore because they are stuck in a rut. Their minds don't function anymore. And I wonder, I said, aren't you reading the same Bible? Yes. Aren't you going to every meeting? Yes. But you haven't changed. You know why? Because you have destroyed their mind. He's allowed it. That's what happened to the children of Israel. He sent what? Leanness not into their body. He sent leanness into their soul. Because he kept on speaking and they kept on saying, can God do? I said, you don't. You mean I don't mean what I say? Okay, fine. You can never think straight again. He says, because I said so. I said so. So this is where it comes. God says, you know what? I mean what I say. It has been the same from the beginning. The deceitfulness of sin and the evil heart of unbelief. The unbelief in our heart is what is evil. Please note this. From the beginning. Remember Genesis 1 creation? After each day's creation, except the second day, God said it is good. Who said it is good? God said it. Second day he didn't say it is good, he was silent. And at the end of it, he said it is very good. I want to look at something which is a little different from what we have learned earlier. A little more carefully. Not about the goodness of God's creation. He looked at everything and said, it is good, 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 it is very good at the end. Okay, not that. But to the fact, it is God who decides what is good. Not you or me. God who makes the judgment what is good or he is silent or he declares something very good. You and I don't do it. We just echo what he says. We don't make a judgment. It is good. Read Genesis 2, 16 and 17. The Lord commanded the man saying, Of every tree of garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and... Who declared something is evil? God. He said, I will declare this is good and evil. That this water is God. It's good water with a little poison in it. You drink it, you may fall ill. I declared it. Sammy, you didn't declare it, right? Okay, okay. Okay. He says, good and evil. You eat, you will die. Who declared? God declared. It's God who declared. What is good? What is evil? It's God who declares. When it comes to verse 18, and the Lord said, it is not good, then man should be. Who said that? You didn't say it. God said it. But now don't take it and run with it because subsequently he has said many other things. Okay. Oh, God said it. Lord, I echo with you. It is not good for me to be alone. No. God also says in 1 Corinthians 7, knowing that the end is near, it is better for man to be alone so that he can serve God, a woman to be alone, serve God with all her heart or all his heart. That also he said. So when you look, when if you are only reading the first two chapters of Genesis, that's for you. But if it is the whole Bible, the whole counsel of God, as Paul would say, 
Full counsel. You're talking about marriage. Then you read the entire scripture about what God talks about the status of man and woman. Then you get the full picture and say, Lord, here you say it is not good. Here he says it is good to be alone. You tell me which is for me. Which is for me. You tell me. I don't make this choice. You make this choice. Because I am your temple. You live in me. You make the choice. What do you want me to be alone or you want me to get married? You make the choice. Because both are good. But I cannot choose the good. You have to tell me what is good for me. You make the judgment. You make the choice. Are you getting the picture? Now turn to Genesis 3, 6. When the woman saw the tree was, now she's deciding, not God. She has listened to another voice, contrary to the voice of God, and she decides, I will make the judgment what is good or bad. Okay, now Eve makes an assessment of God's creation, a part of God's creation, that something was good. Not only apart from God, but in this case, contrary to God's judgment. That is how sin deceives. That's how sin deceives. How did we all end up in a mess when we were starting? Because we looked at something and we decided, this is good. This one is good for me. She is good for me. He is good for me. I choose. We never waited for God. We never sought his counsel. Oh, that is good. That will look good on me. This job is good. We chose. We didn't wait. Seek the Lord. We decided what is good. We decided what is bad. By the time we come to Noah's time, just ten generations, six chapters. Chapter six. It came to pass when men began. See, by the time, by the way, I forgot to tell you. The word good is a Hebrew word which you pronounce as tov. Okay, tov. My Hebrew scholar is there. Okay, tov. It's a word tov. Okay, tov. It's a word good. It's consistent in the Bible. Tov is the word good. Translated has, has good, has fair, has beautiful. Different contexts. Okay. It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, they took wives for themselves or all whom they chose. Okay. Now we are not getting into the debate who is the sons of God and who are the daughters of men. That's not the subject here. But by the time we come to chapter 6, the sons of God saw the daughters of men. They were good. They decided who is good for them. And they chose. When it comes to that point, God says, you know what? My spirit cannot strive with these people anymore. They have already decided in every facet of life. They will decide what is good, what is bad for them. I don't make any more judgments in their life. They have started, they have become God. So now the only thing left for me is to judge creation. Are you getting the picture? Do you remember what Jesus said? In Mark chapter 10 and verse 18. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Good Lord, he says, wait a second. Wait a second, why do you call me good? You're making a judgment. It's left only to God. There is no one is good. But the one who is God. Why do you call me good? Assessment of goodness is left. Excuse me, left to God and God alone. For God alone can truly and accurately make judgments. Truly and accurately 
make judgments. Eve said, this is good. And she ate, judgment came. By the time you come to outside the garden, it is time for sacrifice. And Cain and Abel come with sacrifices. Both Cain decided this is good. This is good. Abel decided, God said, this is good. So two people are standing before God. If you look at Hebrews 11 and verse 4, scripture says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. By faith. So meaning he went by what? God said. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. He went by what God said. But scripture says he offered to God a more excellent sacrifice, a better sacrifice, a more excellent sacrifice. That also means Cain offered a good sacrifice, right? Cain's was not necessarily bad. That's what he said because scripture would have said Abel offered to God a good sacrifice and Cain offered a evil sacrifice. It doesn't say that. It says a more excellent sacrifice. But there is a problem here. By the time you come to 1 John 3.12, scripture says, not as Cain who was of the wicked one and murdered his brothers, but why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were? Oh, the good Cain thought he was giving God was evil in God's sight. It was not even bad. Disobedience to his revealed will is not seen as bad, it is seen as evil. Because the origin of it is comes from the evil one. It is not seen as just bad. Scripture says his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. What did the brother do? The only thing he did is offered a sacrifice. Cain also offered a sacrifice. He was considered a more excellent sacrifice because it came from faith. By the time you come to the epistle of Jude, in Jude 1 and 11, woe to them. Woe to whom? To them. Why? Now they have gone in the way of Cain. Now Cain's actions have become a way for many to follow because now they have become the arbiter of good and decide this is what God wants. This is the way to do it. And God has no say in it. That's how religion begins. It has become a way. From work to away. Ramba. From the time Eve decided to make the judgment to ten generations later when judgment comes upon the whole earth, Genesis 6 and verse 5 will say, the Lord was and the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every intent of the thoughts of it was only evil. But what did they all choose? Did they actually choose evil? No. They all chose good. Everyone chose good according to their own perception. Nobody willingly, knowingly chose evil. They all chose good. But that good was contrary to the revealed voice of God. And by the time ten generations are over, what has happened? The thoughts of man is only evil continually. That's how Isaiah will address the problem of evil in the society. That's why he say in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20, Woe to them who call evil good and good evil, 
Who put darkness for light and light for darkness? Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter? Now Isaiah is talking to Israel. He's not talking to the world. Isaiah is talking to the church. He's not talking to the world. The world is under condemnation. We are under judgment. The difference. Judgment begins in the house of God. So many things that happens within churches are the good chosen by men, not works of faith. Those very good we choose without waiting and hearing and listening from God ultimately becomes evil as time progresses. Progresses. That's why scripture says the works which God created is what we are supposed to do. That is what God is warning. Evil men will wax stronger and stronger. It will become stronger and stronger. Why? Whatever is not of faith is sin. Whatever of faith is not sin. Romans 14.23 Whatever is not of faith is sin. But if you keep on walking by sight, sin is increasing and it ultimately becomes evil. Ultimately becomes evil. If sin is not repented and forsaken, every sin will ultimately lead to evil and to judgment. That's why we looked two Sundays back on Ahitophel. Only one little sin. What is that? He couldn't forgive David. What is the reason? David had taken his granddaughter who was married to Uriah. And he justified himself saying, your work is good, bad. My reaction is good. I cannot forgive you because you did evil. God forgave David. David repented. God forgave. God, David forsook his sin. But Ahitophel is still carrying it. The sin of unforgiveness, by the time it comes out, becomes evil. He plans to murder his king. And ultimately ends up hanging himself. Remember, the very reason God has given us his word and his spirit is that we can make righteous judgments in life. Otherwise, woe. Woe. To those who call evil good. Woe. Woe. Evil good. It's a woe. What does it mean? Terrible consequences will ultimately follow. When Noah's generation started calling good evil, good ultimately Terrible, terrible consequences came. And Lord's generation started calling evil good. Ultimately, God has to intervene. Please remember, always believers, because when it is purely believers Bible study, the Bible is not a book of God's suggestions. The Bible is a book of God's judgments. Not suggestions. God doesn't suggest anything to us here. It's all his judgments. You can choose or leave it. If you leave it, Consequences will follow. If you choose it, life will follow. In Psalm 19 and verse 9, scripture says, The fear of the Lord is clear, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. True and righteous altogether. When the writer of Hebrews talks about the church gathering, the church of the firstborn and calls it as Zion, what does it ultimately call it as? Zion. What does the next scripture say? Psalm 48 verse 11. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad. Why? Because of your 
judgment. They have received his judgments. Let Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad. Why? Because of your judgments. No. We don't understand everything of the word. Understanding is gradual. It's directly connected to obedience. Understand that. You want to understand scripture? We have to obey. If we don't obey, we don't understand scripture. We can have an intellectual knowledge of scripture. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the understanding that comes from God. Because God said he will not give it. He will not give it if you don't value his word. So it is okay to ask God questions. But we cross the line when we say, I will not obey until I fully understand. Do we take it from our children? Brush your teeth. No. I won't. Why? I don't understand it. Go to school. No. Why? I don't understand it. You don't have to understand. Just go. When you go, you will understand. Later. But we also, see, we understand it with our children, with life. But when it comes to God, we put this right. I don't understand it. Therefore, I'm not doing it. Eve only understood one thing about the tree. If you eat, you will surely die. Question is, did she understand death? No. Nothing has died yet. Did she under, do you have to understand death? The wages of sin is death, but I haven't died, so I'm going to sin. Because I don't understand death. So every child of God goes through what the first couple went through. Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing from thee by the word of God. Do you believe what God has said? Not do you fully understand. Not fully understand. None of us will fully understand. We are all on that journey, that trajectory. I hope in the right trajectory. Do we fully understand? Do we believe? Do we listen to other voices? The first couple heard the voice of God and they also heard Another voice. Thank God they heard only one voice. Today we hear, hear multiplicity of voices. In John, uh, sorry, Genesis 3.17, God says, and, and then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree. So, was it wrong for Adam to listen to Eve? No. Depends upon what she said. What if Eve had said, don't eat of the tree? Adam, don't eat of the tree. If you eat, you will surely die. Then what she said is true. And you can obey her. God didn't say, because you listen to your wife, and I'm going to judge you. He didn't say that. He said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and eaten, and gone against what I told you. What I that's why God will tell Abraham, listen to Sarah. Throw that boy and the maidservant and the boy out. Why? Because I said so. The maidservant and her son will not inherit. Throw out. But Lord, it is not good. Who told you? It's not good. It is evil to throw your own son out. Who told you? You decide evil or I do. You decide what is good or I do. In the eyes of the whole world, it will look good. You throw your concubine and son out. But I said throw. Because I decide what is good and what is evil. Not you. You don't decide. I do. That's our struggle. 
Now you see, by the time Adam listened to the voice of Eve, as opposed to the voice of God, suddenly the voices opposed, 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 opposing serpent's voice, Eve's voice. By the time the judgment comes to the tenth generation, Noah's time, from Genesis chapter 2 to Genesis chapter 6, every voice is opposed to God, except one voice, Noah's voice, and he's called a preacher of righteousness, only one voice. All the other voices. You see how evil multiplies? Evil multiplies. Why? Because people didn't take a stand against evil in the beginning. Simple taking a stand. Every one of us here is caught in the same position as Adam. We can choose to listen to voices empowered by the devil. Listen to human voices which are contrary to God's. Or choose to listen to God's voice. The question is, will we trust our senses, which is sight? Which is sight? Eve saw the fruit was good to the eye, and she chose. The sons of God saw the daughters of men were good to the eye. Cain saw his actions as good to his eye. You getting the picture? Let's just go fast forward from Cain and all to Abraham to a little forward to Genesis 24 and verse 16. This is the type of God represented by Abraham, Isaac represented by Jesus, Elias representing the Holy Spirit, and Rebecca representing the church. Okay? Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold a virgin. No man had known her. Also she went down to the will and filled her pitcher and came up. This is first sight. Eliezer sees first side. What is that? She's good to the eyes. Two, she's got a good reputation. She's a good girl. Not a bad girl. She has no boyfriends. She's a good girl. And she went down to the well and came up. That is how usually we make our judgments. Ah, oh, he's a good boy. He's so kind to everybody. She's such a good girl. She helps everybody. Right? But listen to Eliezer in verses 12 to 14. Before that, and he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water and the daughters of men of the city are coming to draw water. The sons of God saw the daughters of men were beautiful and they Chose. The daughters of men are coming. The first one to come is the daughter of a man. And she is beautiful. I have to make a choice. But the choice is not about me. It's about my master's son. Therefore, let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher. I may drink. She says, drink. And I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. He says, I will not go by sight. It's a big decision. You will not go by sight. You have to intervene here completely so that I know the choice has been made by you and not by me. Not by me. What is he saying? Basically saying I will not go by sight. I will go by faith. Like Gideon, he's putting a fleece before God. If this girl is chosen by you for Isaac, let her say, 
Let us say, I will not only give you water, I will also water your camels. So listen to the conversation carefully, okay? Genesis 24, verses 17 to 18. And the servant ran to meet her and said, please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. She said, drink my lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. Now you could stop there and say, hey, she's a nice girl. She's beautiful. She's got a good reputation. And she gave me a drink. I'm choosing this girl for my master. Right? She gave me a drink. She's so sweet. I was going to college. And I dropped my books. And this boy stopped and picked the books and gave it to him. He's so sweet. So sweet. Eliezer could have said, she's so sweet. I asked her and she gave me water. But not Eliezer. Verse 19. When she had finished him giving a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. He didn't say a word. He drank the water, still waiting. And she said, after I will draw water for your camels also. And then she adds something over there. That's interesting. She didn't say that I will give your camels water. She will said, I will give your camels water until they have finished drinking. Right? Verse 20 to 21. She quickly emptied a pitcher into the trough. Ran back to the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the man, wondering at her, remained silent. He didn't say a word. He didn't make any choice. He's watching. Now I want to see that whether you are a woman of your word. You said what? I will draw waters for the camel until they finish. Silent, so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous. He's not looking at himself, he's looking at God. God, are you answering my prayer? Is this the way I have prayed to you? Is it happening that way? Verse 22. Yeah. So it was when the camels had finished drinking. What did he do? He waited until she had drawn water for all the camels. Until the camels were finished. You getting the picture? He's so sweet. He picked up books for me. Okay, thank you. Go on and see that if he keeps on picking books for everybody who drops. (laughs) But only for you. If he does, he's a naturally kind person. Otherwise, he's interested only in you. He will pick your books for you now and if you marry him, then you will be picking up stuff for him all your life. That's what he was looking for. Okay, you gave me a drink. Let me really see. Are you really a giving person, or Rachel, or Rebecca? That's what I want to see. And how much will you go? Ten camels, if I'm right. How much water will you draw for these camels? No complaints. Do you think Eliezer came alone? No. He had an entire company. Can you imagine a company of men standing there and watching this girl draw water? Drawing, drawing. Drawing, drawing, and nobody's doing anything. They're watching. Is she complaining? Is she murmuring? Aren't you ashamed? Don't you see a girl drawing all this water? You all men standing here and watching me draw water for your camels? Nothing. 
Did you see? So it was when the camels had finished drinking. What does it mean? Now his eyes are not on Rebecca. His eyes are on the camels. You're watching how she is dealing with others. Dealing with others. Does she serve the weary? Does she serve the burdened? Does she have a voice of word of encouragement for everybody? She in the means meaning of church. The bride Christ chooses. See, the life God offers is a life that can be appropriated only by faith. No other way. That's why Romans 1.17 says, In it, a righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Begins with faith all the way till the end. It ends in faith. There is no sight in between. Whenever sight comes in, what does God say? Repent. Move back to faith. And may have to repent for many good things. Because we made the judgment of what is good and what is not good. That is why scripture says repentance from what works is the first thing. Dead works. Not say bad works. Dead works. Whether it is good or bad, if it is not of faith, it is dead. There is no life of God in it. And religion is full of dead good works. Good works which are dead. That's why Jesus is called the author and the finisher or the perfecter of our faith. Look at Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, they are mentioned in chapter 11. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensures us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We are asked different things. God says if you want to finish well. First lay aside every weight. Weight and sin are not the same. So many of God's people don't actually sin so much. They carry weights. Carry weights. Jesus said cast all your burdens. But we don't. We carry those weights. And because we carry those weights, we are unable to move forward because carrying that weight is an act of unbelief. It's an act of unbelief. Carrying that weight. Can you do anything? Because God himself said, by worrying, you cannot even change one hair on your head. But we still worry. We still worry. And that weight we carry. Weight we carry. Every weight. And then, next thing, sin that easily entangles. What is that sin? How can believers be so easily entangled in sin? How can they be? Romans 14.23, I didn't give it, but you have to go over it over and over again. 14.23. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats. Why did he say eats? Why couldn't he have given justice whatever is not of faith is sin? Because eating is the most normal common thing. Everybody sitting here, we may be different in so many things except eating. We all eat. That's why we are sitting here. And we are looking forward to eating when we leave. <laughs> right? If he does not eat from faith. Faith comes from hearing. That's why we religiously leave the book of Leviticus. We don't read that at all. 
and we always are talking about Peter's dream. We are not at all like Peter thrilled by the salvation of Gentiles. We are looking at every animal in that sheet. <laughs> the Gentiles who got saved are more happy about the animals while the Jew is stunned that God is talking about saving the Gentiles. Why? We have decided what is good and what is evil. Yeah, He says this, whatever is not a faith is sin. Whatever is of faith is sin. Sin that easily entangles. Just look at what entangles us. Honestly, I've been on an entire trip, met hundreds of pastors. It is so difficult to, sad to see them. They struggle with discipline. Struggle with discipline. They cannot sit and concentrate. They cannot sit and read. They are so distracted. No discipline. And they don't see it as sin. Don't see it as sin. And they are in difficult areas. The sad part is that they are not in living in a city like us. They are all in Naxal areas. They all came from the Naxal areas. Difficult areas where they minister. So many have been killed who were before them. And yet, does, does God change? No. Sin that easily entangles. Is it from faith? Is it from faith? Ask. Wait. Faith. Third thing, he says in Hebrews, run with endurance. 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 What does endurance mean? Same same thing like you practice for a marathon. You don't first day run 20 kilometers. You run half a kilometer for a week. Next week you realize you can run one kilometer. You keep on increasing. Meaning, your endurance, if you are going by faith, increases, does not decrease. Increases as you grow older. It doesn't decrease. That's why I look at Zach Poner. Maybe he's sitting. I look at Ravi Zach. Maybe he's standing. Look at them. You can see they're going deeper and deeper and deeper. What does it mean? Endurance. They're running with endurance. Right? If you look at most believers, superficial, shallow. It's just touching their emotions. They get all get excited. Very get excited. Before you know, Twitter, chatter, everywhere they send something, they got that. It's just emotions. Just nothing deep. Nothing deep. Yet, deep calls to deep. God is calling us to a deeper and a deeper and a deeper relationship with Him. The Word of God is not something to be memorized. The Word of God is life. Word of God is life. You may have studied one portion of scripture for the past 20 years. You are still studying because it's going deeper and deeper because the word is as deep as him. As deep as him. Endurance. How does that happen? Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Eyes. Let not your eyes see and decide what is good or what is evil. How will you know to decide what is good? Keep your eyes fixed on Christ Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on the word. Absolutely, absolutely on the word. Yes. Vijay said last Sunday, what is the devil after? Your and my faith. Why? Because faith leads to obedience. Unbelief leads to disobedience. It's so subtle. We don't even realize that. Unbelief leads to 
disobedience. Faith leads to obedience. And God says, you know what? As I close, one more verse which I didn't give you. Hebrews 5, 13 and 14. That's why Wednesday Bible study is different always from Sunday. Hebrews 5, 13, 5, 13 and 14. For everyone who partakes only of milk, the milk of God's word, who partakes of the milk is what? Unskilled in the word of righteousness. This is the word of righteousness. This is the word that brings more and more the righteousness of God into our life. We are declared righteous. That's a different thing, justified. But they are unskilled in the word of Righteousness for he is a baby. It's a baby. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who of reason by use have their senses exercised to discern both what? Good and evil. You will be able to make actual judgments what is good and what is evil because you have your sense exercised by the meat of God's word. That is why scripture says the spiritual man judges all things but he himself is not judged because he's got his spiritual senses exercised to discern between what is good and evil. Otherwise we'll go around through the day choosing for I one day I like this looks good on me, this is good for me good for my tongue. God says you haven't learned to discern what is good and evil because your spent senses have not been exercised by the meat of God's word. You don't know what to say. You said I give it back it was good. God says no it was evil. That's where it happens. He says, you are still a baby. Still a baby. God's baby. Don't worry, you are still whose baby? God's baby, God's child. But there is a problem. A child in the kingdom of God is no different than a slave. He inherits nothing, though everything belongs to him. Who inherits in the kingdom? The one who has come of full age. Come of full age. That's the purpose. That's the reason. We gather around the word, not for knowledge. Not for knowledge. It's much more than that. That the meat of God's word becomes a part of our life and our spiritual senses, not physical, spiritual senses. That's why we look at Eliezer. Eliezer looked. She was beautiful. The sons of men also, God also looked and found all the women beautiful. Not only that, she had a good reputation. She was chaste. Not only that, she had come to draw water. And none of those things matter. God has to decide whether she is good enough for Abraham's son. God has to decide if we are good enough to be the bride of Jesus Christ or just a baby of God. He has to decide. And how does that happen? When we have our senses exercised to discern what is good and evil by the meat of God's word. That is the Dirty deception of the devil. What does he keep you from? He keeps you from the word. You all, everyone struggles with the word. Struggles with the word. Struggles. I'm not saying you don't like the word. You like the word only if it's emotionally. Oh, that was an interesting message. I loved it so much. No. They're just your emotions. Just your emotions. Can you really, really go sit and go deeper and deeper into the word and say, speak to me. Depth calls to deep. Deep calls to deep. I, I, I'm not bored by this. This is life. No? Like Pele said, football is life. For him, football was life. He said, I'm willing to give my whole life for football. God says, 
There are people who are willing to give their life for football. What about this? I said, my words are life. Do you see it as that? My words are life. Ultimately, Peter said, you alone have the words of life. And what did Thomas say? Let us all go to Jerusalem and die with him. Great. They say, you have life. And if following you is going to cause us death, we will choose death over the life the world has to offer. They were afraid they ran. That's a different thing. But their concept was right. You alone have the words of life. And in Jerusalem, they are going to kill you. We will die with you. Because this is the life that we long, not the life the world has to offer. Amen? Shall we pray? Father God, we just come to you this evening. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. When judgment begins in the house of God, it is not to condemn us, but to save us. Because of Father, your word says, when you judge us, it is to see that we are not condemned with the world, but saved from the world. Every time we hear your word, I pray, your spirit will speak to us. We will repent. We will forsake and we will move on with you like Enoch did. Move on with you so that he could escape all the judgment that came on earth. He escaped it all because he judged himself and walked with you for 300 years. I pray, Father, as he was the first one to be raptured, everyone who's longing and looking for the appearance of Christ Jesus will also learn to walk with God. Judging ourselves, Lord, daily in the light of the word. That our responses to evil are the responses your spirit shows us from the word. That it might be good that overcomes evil. Thank you, Father. I speak healing and I speak deliverance and I speak strength into the body of Christ. Strengthen us, Lord. You brought us safely. You reach us back safely, O Father. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.